You're listening to the Off the Line Soccer Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Line. My name's Jack. Today I'm joined, as always, by Jake and Aiden to review uh, another exciting Premier League season. Jake, how are you? Hey, Jack. Thanks. I'm doing well. Uh, as you guys know, just the, the Euros start on Friday, and it's Monday as we're recording, so I'm just very excited, looking forward to that. Italy playing in the first game, and so that, that should hopefully be a, a, good, a good occasion. That's pretty much it. Just looking forward to that so far. Um the last couple of weeks. Aiden, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks, Jacob. Sorry about missing the episode last week. I was a bit busy. I wasn't home for a few days, but you guys filled in. Well, just took over and did it yourselves and did a great job. So I'm just happy to be back. And finally, the Euros are here less than a week away. So I can't wait for that. I'm great. How are you, Jack? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. I uh, so yeah, like you said, like the Euros are starting this week. We're gonna do uh, a Premier League review or season review in this episode, and then we'll have an episode either Thursday or we might have to get it out on Friday for our Euro prediction. You know, that, that sort of thing, our our prediction stuff to to see how that's gonna end up. But yeah, for for today, we're just gonna go over the Premier League season and then. We're going to go over some some awards that we've got here. We'll go over the player of the season, manager of the season, young player of the season, signing of the season, and then the goal of the season. And then following that, we're just going to touch on some of the other news uh, that's taken place over the last week or so, even since since last episode regarding managers, regarding some transfers and uh, some some international call-ups. But We'll, we'll start off with the awards, I guess. We'll start off. I'll come to you first, Jake. And again, it's just a casual episode. We're just giving our opinions. Obviously, these awards have already been handed out um, from the uh, the PFA and stuff. So we'll, we'll start out. Jake, who would you go with for your player of the season? From, for my player of the season, I would go with Harry Kane. I think it's a, a pretty... Um, like popular view or like a widespread view, but I think that the numbers kind of s- stand for themselves. I think he, I don't think he spent too much time out injured this season, which obviously is not criteria for player of the season, but it's always good when it comes to Harry Kane. Um, and obviously, as we know, he finished as the top scorer and top assister. I think I had him predicted as my top scorer to be in a season if he stayed fit, and I guess he did for, for the most part, so that was good. And yeah, it's just he, he kind of, I'm not going to go too far into it, but he kind of added like another layer to his game this season I think before this season he only had recorded like a, a very very minimal amount of assists in the Premier League and this season I think I saw a stat that this season he had more assists than the rest of his career in the Premier League combined um, which just goes to show like he, he has kind of reinvented himself um, we all we do comment sometimes that he's lost his the pace or some of the pace that he had when he was younger but uh, like we mentioned multiple times, he, he's gotten much better at dropping back and just spraying the passes and playing as a bit of a playmaker as well as obviously still um, being able to score goals as as we saw obviously from finishing as a top goal scorer and top assister. So I think it's um, other than, than Bruno, if Bruno wouldn't have slowed down at the end of the season, I could have seen a, a, a tight race between the two of them. But I think Harry Kane is pretty a, a pretty good choice um, in my opinion. Aiden, who did you pick? Yeah, for me, I had it between Kane and Diaz, but I went with Kane as well, just for all the same reasons as you. If you're the top goal scorer and top assister, I think you deserve to uh, be the best player in the league for that season, especially when like actually finishing a goal or scoring the goals is really what wins you the game. It's probably the hardest thing to do in the game. So I think that gives him a bit of an advantage over some defenders. And then when you look at the fact all the turmoil that was around Spurs for the season, the way he still performed, I know there's not really set criteria. So you could say, oh, well, Diaz or De Bruyne, they got the, the Premier League trophy, so they should be the player of the season. But I just think when you look at how he performed, imagine this Harry version of Harry Kane this season, the Manchester City team. I just think he was the best player in the season overall. And with that turmoil at Spurs, not really – too much going right managers getting sacked during the season and all the rest of it he does deserve the award and hopefully he moves on to bigger and better things what do you think jack i agree with you guys yes i went with harry kane as well i know 
that I think it was the the P the 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 Bruyne or the Football Writers Association. It was you know it was Diaz and and Kevin De Bruyne. But for this season, like Harry can't he was the best player in the season. I don't know what more he'd have to do than finish top goal scorer and top assister playing for a team that finished like you guys said seventh in the table and a Spurs team that was like parking the bus and just looking for the counter for most of the season uh Kane's like it's not like Spurs our team that were creating all sorts of chances last season they were really poor for large parts of it but Kane you can rely on him if he gets any chance he's he's gonna score it happened against happened against Everton just two chances, two goals. It's happened against most of the teams in this league because he's he's one of, if not the best striker in Europe, along with like Robert Lewandowski, who's also had an amazing season. But yeah, for me, it, it has to be Kane. I, I, I find it very strange of how he didn't win this award from, from anybody. Like you can't, I don't know what more he would have had to do to in terms of output. He completely carried Spurs, like not only the goal, the goal scoring but the fact that he set up so many as well it's 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 ridiculous and i think maybe he's a um a victim of his own success just setting such a high standard for himself but again just in my opinion i i don't i don't know how he's been overlooked for this one but yeah definitely the best player in the league this season without like without a shadow of a doubt uh move on jake i'll come to you first who is your manager of the season yeah, so this is an interesting one. This might be a bit of a a rogue shout. I don't think it was like the the best manager, but considering like the last season and where like where they were starting of the season, considering our predictions, I went with uh, Dean Smith as my manager this season. Uh, a main part of it was just he surprised me. Like I remember last season, I think, or I think it might have been like our, our season preview. I think I I said he might be like one of the, like the the third like most likely manager to get sacked and I didn't think he had a good season last season um I do remember criticizing that he didn't adjust I found and and he didn't change things around when Villa were were so bad defensively and he still kept like playing out this the rolling out the same lineup etc but um they've been much better this season especially like I just like I just mentioned defensively um a big improvement and um from what I've read and it's not just from like Villa writers I've read this like from from a bunch of different people who have said that the defensive improvement, it, it was down to him just tack or sorry, tweaking some, some tactical things. It wasn't like, again, like, like we mentioned a couple of times, it's not like this, the signings, like the defensive players, sorry, were new signings. Um, Matty cash was, of course, I think it was 12 million or something like that. He's been really, really good at right back, but uh, right backs, like don't obviously completely like change a whole defense, right? It's down to the unit and, and Mings and Konza and Matt Target were all there last season, so they're all part of that that poor defense. Konza is obviously playing a much more prominent role this season. I think last season it was Bjorn Engels who was ahead of him, and he's not really been seen all season. Um, and yeah, Konza's kind of stepped out as a as a really good player. Mings, <laughs> debatable or not, but he's he's in England international. He's going to the Euros with the England squad, so uh, clearly Southgate sees something there and. Yeah, of course, Martinez as well in goal had had a big impact with that. But yeah, I think Dean Smith is a good one as well. He didn't have that many signings like like I mentioned. He had Matty Cash and uh, Ollie Watkins and Bertrand Traore, and then not too much else. Like it, it, the core of the team there is still the team that was there last season that almost got relegated. And I've been really impressed with the way they turned around. Like uh, I, I was impressed with them last season as well. But I think John McKinn had a much better season. Um, like I mentioned already, Konza very very good. Just really kind of kind of stepped out in the limelight this season. Grealish continued to be impressive and, and Villa were they were streaky a little bit, but they were still okay and they still played well when, when Grealish was out injured, which I thought was really impressive. Um obviously part, some of the signings did help as well. Ollie Watkins and Bertrand Triare, they both scored Watkins I think he scored um the most goals for an English player aside from Kane. And Triare we've seen him score some important goals and some very nice goals as well this season and yeah, just I think the overall improvement, the way that they change things, like with coaching and not just like signing eleven new players for the for the for their team, I think that's kind of a good criteria for me. Where I, why um in my opinion anyway, Dean Smith was my manager of the season. Uh, Aiden, who did you choose for yours? Yeah, I really like that pick, Jacob. Dean Smith, really good one. I didn't think of that. I just went for a more obvious one. Kind of along the same lines, though. I just went for David Moyes. 
just like you said, with Dean Smith, just given what he had and especially what I thought at the beginning of the season, one of my worst takes, I thought that West Ham would be around the relegation zone this season or getting relegated, but obviously that didn't come to pass and they had a very good season. And I think one of the most impressive things about David Moyes is and their whole season was they were able to score a lot of goals um, without like a real quality catalyst going forward or a real like playmaker. Of course, Lingard uh, really shone and I think played above everyone's expectations when he came on loan from United in the second half of the season. But I still don't think they really had that type of Jack Grealish uh, catalyst or somebody who could make things happen for the whole team. So I just think the system and being able to play defensively and score goals from set pieces and, and counterattacks. And it seems sometimes when West Ham were playing the other team to shut down defensively, but, and they would just let Jesse Lingard run with the ball, even when there was, it could have seemed obvious that two or three of them could have closed them down, but we'll have to just say that was brilliant coaching for Moyes and West Ham's tactics got them through. I really like Moyes too, even though he had a bad period at United, I just think he's like, professional guy and of course he's Scottish so it was an easy pick for me West Ham great season wish they could have got Champions League but very very good what do you think Jack yeah I went with David Moyes as well just considering like similar to you Aiden I had them I think I predicted that they were going to come in I can't remember I think maybe 17th uh, just just out of the relegation zone because like Moyes, you have to think his, he's completely restored his reputation this year. And maybe I was a little bit naive because he was so like give him a little bit of time to sort things out and get control uh, over a club, which I definitely think he has at West Ham because we all know what their owners are like. They <laughs> don't really do that great of a job, but I'm sure that David Moyes is his influence around the place in terms of bringing in players. He's very good in the market and knows exactly what his teams need and maybe it's teams like West Ham or like Everton before they had money when there's not as many resources and maybe when Moyes gets a little bit more responsibility with less and can really stamp his authority um, on a club is when you see them succeed so and you see like a club like West Ham they finished in sixth place and they're like they're like that's that's incredible. Their squad is not even close to the sixth best in the league, which means that they're carried by you know the manager. And obviously, they had Suchek and Rice, who I believe they played almost the entire season together without getting injured, which I'm sure contributed to it. But the fact that like West Ham in six with that squad, I don't really think after we don't have to analyze too much. That's just very very good stuff from David Moyes. They're just solid all season created some chances, took the chances, very good signing in Lingard in, in January on loan and just, yeah, just very, very impressive. I'm just honestly a little bit jealous that why, I don't know why Everton didn't, didn't, didn't do, do so well in a season of, of turmoil when, um, when other teams around them were also struggling, but yeah, like all credit to David Moyes. And I, I know that I believe the Premier League gave, Pep Guardiola, the manager of the season, I would just point out that David Moyes getting West Ham into sixth position is far more impressive than Pep Guardiola winning the league with that Man City squad. So, yeah, David Moyes is definitely, uh, definitely my manager of the season. And again, just happy to completely restore his his uh, his reputation because he is a good manager. Uh, Jake, I'll come to you for this one. Who was your young player of the season? Yeah, so this was another one. Young player of the season. This was, um, uh, I had chose Mason Mount for this one. Over the course of the season, I really changed my opinion over him. Uh, if you would have asked me, you know, at the end of last season or even maybe at the beginning of this season, well, definitely at the beginning of this season, I would have said I don't really see too much from him. Um, I probably would have mentioned something about, how Frank Lampard loves him and maybe he, it was time to give him a rest or just try some other players in his position. But I think he's played really, really well this season and especially, you know, towards the tail end uh, of the season. I think he started off a bit slow and then he, he really caught fire like near the end of Lampard's reign. And of course, when, when Tuchel uh, came in, he had nine goals and nine assists this season in all competitions, six and six in the Premier League. So those are solid numbers considering he played – um. As an attacking midfielder, you play on the left, you play on the right, and I think there were a couple of games where he played as like a center mid and like a and, 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 sorry in a three man midfield, 
Um, so he has been moved around all over the place. And I, I, yeah, I, I just was really impressed with, with Mount. Um, I think he played really, really well over, I think uh, I was watching with, I think it was against Real Madrid in the Champions League over the two legs. I was really impressed with him. Um, obviously, we saw in the Champions League final his his assist to Kai Havertz, which, to be honest, I didn't mention last week. I completely forgot. But his pass for Havertz, like just that through ball, like all the way through from such a far, some such a distance, and just with a perfect weight on it and behind the defense, it just allows Havertz to just kind of go around Ederson and put it in the net. Um, so that was good. It just really showed his ability this season, and. I think like part of the reason why I chose him over like some other candidates who I don't know, maybe we, you guys might get to them. Um, I think like he played the whole season and he started, I think he had about 3000 minutes in the league, which is really, really impressive. I think he played 36 games or something. He, he barely missed a game. Um, and, and yeah, he was pretty much an automatic starter for, for Lampard and Tuchel for most of the season. There were a couple of games when Tuchel had just come in, I think for his first two or three uh, Mount didn't start. He started on the bench, but then since then he's been ever present. The side has been really, really important, and I just was really impressed with him. Just the way he carried the ball this season. Um, he wasn't afraid to shoot. He wasn't afraid to pass, and just kind of like take take authority over the game. And yeah, I think he's really good. And honestly, um, I, I think he's probably going to play a pretty important role for for England this summer too, just based on his club form this season. And yeah, I. It's a it's a complete turnaround from the way I thought about him at the end of last season. So I've just been really impressed. I think he kind of deserves some recognition for that. So yeah, I would choose uh, Mason Mount for my Young Player of the Year. Aiden, who would you choose? Yes, that's a brilliant shout. I've also got Mason Mount. Started to take a bit of notice of him at the end of last season, just watching a lot of Chelsea games. Uh, the same this season. I think I probably saw him maybe like, 30 times in all competitions, but just when you see a player that in every single game, you don't think you put up a disappointing performance, just given his energy levels and just his dynamism to be able to come from deep dribble and just play really quick passes and incisive and just go kind of vertical with the ball. Like we saw with N'Golo Conte later in the season too from Chelsea was really good, but um I think why I picked him most of all was just like you were touching on Jacob, the consistency instead of someone like a Foden who I usually could have picked. And I, I, I kind of wanted to pick him. I just think that with all the minutes, like you said, that he played in champions league final down the stretch, being one of the most important players and that whole season, really, I think before, like, I, I don't know about you guys, what you think, but before there was kind of the emergence of Conte, I think for this whole season, I would have said that Mount was easily Chelsea's player of the season. Uh, for that's for me, anyways. But uh, so I just have to go with him. Uh, yeah, just it was him and Foden for me. But the consistency was just the kind of the cherry on top for Mount. And I think that him and Foden are both going to play a prominent role at the Euros, and they, they're deserving of that, even at their young age. If you're if you're good enough or whatever, you're. But yeah, if you're old enough, or if you're good enough, you're old enough, whatever the saying is. But Jack, take it away. Mount for me. Yeah, I think it was always going to be between Mason Mount and Phil Foden. I've gone with Phil Foden just because I, I just think that like the the talent just it, it's not even you don't even have to look at his stats. So he did he, I think he got 16 goals, 10 and ten assists this season, and you go up the kid born He's born year 2000 and uh, the competition in the Manchester city squad, he has to go up against, you know, Sterling, Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, all of these fantastic players um, and coming through the Academy. I think Pep's handled them really well. And just, just when I watch him, he can do pretty, pretty much everything. So can, so can Mason Mount. I, I just think that for, for me, for Phil phone, just, he is, he is, uh, he is a little bit younger, but, they're both incredibly good players. I think Mason Mount is like similar to Jake. He's convinced me this season. If I didn't fully, I wasn't fully convinced last season, but seeing him, he's, he's gone on to another level this season. I think Foden's really, really broken into the Man City, Man City team, especially his Champions League performances this season. And um, yeah, I think both of them, like they're both already exceptional players. And I want to see, I want to see how they do with England. That'll be an interesting thing. But yeah, I've gone with Phil Foden for for a young player this season. I think it was always going to be between those two for for 
Young Player of the Season award, but yeah, I've gone with Foden. Uh, next one, second last award to give out, go with Jake. I'll come to you first for this one, uh, the signing of the season. For yeah, so for the signing of the season, this one's kind of funny. I kind of cheated a little bit. I, I kind of went for the impact on the team instead of the actual player. Um, so for the signing of the season, I don't know if you guys are going to agree. Probably not. But I went with uh, Alex Telles just because of the effect it had on Luke Shaw. Um, and just because it was such a transformation. And after I'm done explaining this, I'll, I'll give kind of my opinion if I had to like actually choose one. Um, but yeah, I kind of kind of went with this one just because I thought it'd be fun. But just honestly, if you would ask me before the season, I thought Luke Shaw's career at United was like pretty much over. I was very excited when Telles came in. I said, okay, finally a left back who could attack. And and run forward instead of just stopping the ball and turning backwards and passing it. So, um, and and yeah, I, I think well, obviously he's definitely played a big part in the resurgence of, of Luke Shaw. So I kind of want to give credit for, for that uh, in any way I could have. But I think to be honest, like the obvious choice would be um, Ruben Diaz. And uh, you see this like his not not his personal stats, but like the city stats in general, and they're not like too different. Like they've only conceded three less goals than last season. Um, Ederson still won the Golden Glove this season as well as last season, et cetera, et cetera. But when you watch Ruben Diaz play, he's such a good player and, and, and an, an amazing defender. He just kind of sniffs out attacks and, and kind of gets to gets in the way of most things before um, uh, before attackers even have a chance to to you know take a shot on or get in behind or anything like that. So and, and there's always like a risk, I guess, recruiting from like especially defenders in my opinion just from the like a, a smaller league like a portuguese league like who knows how how they play how different but he's really stepped in right away he's, you, you can see he's just a leader as well and he's really got everything that that a center back needs and i think um if i was being like uh, abiding by the by the rules for signing of the season i would definitely go for for ruben diaz um aiden uh what is your choice Yeah, mine was the obvious pick. I just went for Ruben Diaz just because of how we kind of saw Man City play this season. It was a bit lower scoring than we're used to from them, but uh, also they, they kept a few amount of goals. And I'm just going to keep it brief, but Ruben Diaz even made John Stones look brilliant this season. So that's all you have to know. What do you think, Jack? He's Googling his choice right now. Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, so, yeah, Aiden, I definitely think that's a good one. Jake, really not sure about the Tele shout. I, I think that's a little, little out there, I think, for the, the impact. You'd hope that would just be another another signing. But for, for, uh, for transfer of the season signing of the season i've gone with slightly different one just because i want to look at in terms of recruitment in terms of value for the money that you're paying in terms of good invest and you know and the eye test when you're watching a player i've gone with rafinha from leeds because he only cost 19 million euros he got six goals nine assists in the league this season for a promoted lead side. And when you just watch this guy play, this guy's amazing. He's so good. I don't, how did he only cost like eight, like 18 and a half, 19 million euros. I genuinely don't know why other teams don't take, when I mean other teams, I mean my club, Everton, don't take risks on players like this. Six goals, nine assists. And when you watch him play, he's amazing. He's so fun to watch. Really, really, really good with the ball at his feet, quick and, and, and creative and just makes stuff happen. And, in terms of recruitment, in terms of value, that's that's spot on. Obviously, that the outputs there for, like I said, a promoted a promoted side. That's that's very very good. And then, yeah, Aiden, I also agree with you in terms of impact. Ruben Diaz is is definitely worth a shout. But in terms of impact for buying a player for 19 million euros, I think that it would be pretty hard to to beat the total total output that Rafinha's put up this season. So I've gone with Rafinha. Because of the output, plus he's just a player that I really, really like watching. So I've gone with him for signing of the season. Uh, we'll move on to the last award now. Jake, I'll come to you again. Uh, what was your goal of the season? Uh, for my goal of the season, I chose Emmanuel Lanzini's goal against Spurs in the 3-3 draw back in November, I think it was. 
Um, it was just like, obviously it was, it was an amazing goal by itself, but it was also just a situation, just capping like a three-goal comeback, um, considering West Ham's first goal is in the 82nd minute, and they still managed to score two more after that. Uh, genuinely, the last kick of the game, I think it was the 94th minute, um, and it was just had everything, like first-time strike outside the box, Lloris just stretching as far as he can, can just get a little tip on it or a fingertip on it, um, and then it's, it just goes crashing in off the bar and in, and then, um, yeah, it just pretty much had everything that, that you kind of hope for, for, for a goal, just very dramatic and just very, very nice uh, technical ability as well. And I think it was his first game of the season, or well, I'm positive it was his first game of the season as well. I think he had been out with an injury and he'd just come back, uh, coming off the bench. I think it was maybe like 10, 15 minutes earlier. And then just to go and, and, and hit a strike like that in the last minute against your, your biggest rivals and to, to snatch a draw after being 3-0 down, I think it, it pretty much had everything that a, that a, a goal of the season candidate should have. And yeah, just obviously by itself, just, just amazing ability and, and technical, uh, yeah, technical ability. And I was really impressed with that. And it just, um, you know, whenever I see that goal, I can't help, but like almost smile a little bit. It was just, just great considering all this circumstance and yeah, everyone loves seeing great goals and long range goals off the, and, and whatever, whenever it goes in off the bar, it always looks 10 times better. So I think this goal had, had quite a bit of things that I, that I was looking for in my, for my goal of the season. But uh, Aiden, what did you think was the goal of the season? Very good shout. That was close to mine. But from one Argentine to another, we have Eric Lamela's Rabona finish against Arsenal in the North London Derby. What a goal. When I saw this one, I had to jump up and just look around, make sure nobody was watching, and then take a double take. What a finish from the lad. And Rabona, we've seen him do it before, but he doesn't score very often. So it was just even that much more of a shock when it was Lamella. Jake likes to banter Lamella, and he does like to chirp him a lot. He probably knows his goal scoring stats, but he think he has more yellow cards and goals, right, for Spurs. So that's not very impressive. So when he does something like that, it really has to stand out in the memory. And the fact it was against Arsenal just made it even better for me. So I had to pick that one. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I went with Lamella as well, just because you, you never see Rabona goals. And I, yeah, when I watched it as well, I would think, because of course it happened at Arsenal. And of course, it was, of course, it was Lamella who never scores. And even in that position of the game, it came out of absolutely nothing because Spurs were getting dominated by Arsenal and the one chance that they did have it was just some individual brilliance and just you never even with Rabona's when you see the flicks and the crosses like that you never usually see them keep the ball on the ground but he curled it right into the bottom corner so just very very good stuff not that it really matters because Spurs didn't win the game but in terms of an individual goal yeah I thought it was really good but I really like the Lanzini shout, Jake. That was an, another, it was it was amazing. Another time Spurs just can't hang on to the lead, but what a goal that was as well. There are a lot of good goals this season. And I kind of, unre- well, kind of related. I hope, I just, I'm excited that there's actually fans back for next season because, and we'll get in, we'll get into it, but I was just, I'm just done with this season. So. And then, fans being back next season to witness more more goals and it'll just be much better and looking forward to it but that, I think that's it for the awards that we're going to hand out for now we'll get into a bit of the news um, surrounding transfers and, and, and the manager Mary go around and some of the international call-ups that have been had in the in the last week or so I'll start off with uh, some of the manager news and we'll spend a little bit of time on this uh, last week, Ancelotti, or even since we finished recording last podcast, when Jake and I were discussing mid-podcast, the new the first rumors broke out that Carlo Ancelotti agreed to go back to Real Madrid and would leave Everton. And we kind of discussed and said, oh, like they're probably rumors, but would it be the worst thing in the world? And we started to get into it a little bit and really didn't think it was, it was true, just rumors. But it turns out that Uh, the rumors were true and Ancelotti's now back at Real Madrid and what is definitely a shock to, to all Everton fans. Like um, I'll see what you guys think about it in a sec. Personally, I, I, um, I was surprised that it actually happened because from, from Ancelotti's comments and everything and about how much he, how much he liked the city and he was happy in his environment and that sort of thing. Also, um, 
complemented by the fact that you just think at his age with the jobs he's starting to take, he almost seemed like he was down, kind of settle down and work on a project rather than be at one of these massive super clubs. Um, but maybe that's a little bit naive in thinking that and hopefully moving forward, Everton realize that you need to, and we'll get into this in a bit, but they need to select a manager that can grow with the club rather than kind of bending to the, to the rules of the manager and the wants of a manager who could easily be poached for them. And that's what happens when you have the elite managers that can easily be taken from you. And in some cases when you're not one of the most competitive clubs in the world, but uh, Jake, I'll, I'll come to you. What were your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on Ancelotti leaving and what do you think moving forward? What do you think it means for Everton? Yeah, I'm not necessarily surprised that he, um, that he left just because like, if we're being re- realistic, it's Real Madrid versus Everton. Like, I'm sure if it was like a foreign manager who had no allegiance to either club, like you would even leave like, who knows, like Chelsea for Real Madrid or maybe even Manchester United for Real Madrid. It's just like it's got that pull. Um, so you can definitely understand it. And also considering he was there before and um, he, he was sacked like pretty unfairly. I don't think he had done anything wrong. I think he had literally just didn't win the Champions League in his second season. So that's why he left, which um, you can make arguments for both sides why he shouldn't go back. But I can also see why he wanted to go back. It's a... Uh, unfinished business and literally he's at his age he's probably not going to be getting too many more um chances at managing clubs like real madrid like we saw after he left Bayern munich it was really one of the first times in his career except when he was first starting off when he went to to lower level clubs if you want to say that like napoli are not exactly like real madrid caliber and neither are everton so i think um that's that probably played a part in in his um his decision to go and it is a tough spot for Everton, like you say. They they have to recruit smartly, and um, it's like the you see like part of the managers and stuff that they're being linked with. It's either managers who were there before and they left for a reason, or they were sacked for a reason, and they're they're back linked with them, or it's like a, a headline manager kind of thing. Like I saw some, I don't know, it wasn't like a a reputable source, but I saw like they're linked with like jo- Joachim Löw from Germany and like Pochettino if he leaves PSG, which like that's not gonna not going to happen so I, I i don't know like what it's just like a, a headline manager which obviously wouldn't be smart like you need to just build the whole club around and that's why i kind of in my opinion like i would like to see Graham potter at everton like do i think Graham potter is like one of the best managers in the world not at the moment like it, it kind of feels like an eddie howe to me but i think he's, he's better than eddie howe to be fair but just like how eddie howe was always at a lower lower team in the league and being linked with like all the big jobs and English and, you know, homegrown and all that, but never actually getting a shot. But I would like to see um, Grant Potter at Everton because I think Nuno is more established and could probably do better with, with the squad that they have at, at the moment, Everton. But I mean, it's, it's been a while. We just, I just want to be entertained watching Everton. Like they have their moments, of course, just like any team. But I think we mentioned a lot over the course of the season that Ancelotti was playing defensively. Like, you know, whether he was forced to or not, that's not really the, the debate here. Um, it was just how, how boring it was to watch uh, for a lot of times. Like, you know, a four four two with, you know, whoever on the left wing, like Andre Gomez or Gilfie, like it was not, it was not expansive. Um, at all really and it wasn't exciting to watch to to be completely honest and this isn't a dig at everton like per se it's just like i think it's it's like lots of fans have have the opinion that it wasn't great to watch and um i honestly yeah i just want to be entertained like you guys know i always say there's not a correct style to to play what matters is wins but of course uh, myself being a neutral um i just want to be entertained when i watch other games and see you know as many goals and attacks as and see teams trying to, to go forward. So, um, and yeah, from Everton's point of view, like like we mentioned, it's been probably the last time they had like a, an attacking like man, manager and a team that was set out to attack constantly was like Roberto Martinez in that season where he finished fifth, um, or maybe the season after that. Uh, but yeah, it's been quite a while, and I would just like to see that come back to Everton. I'm sure the fans would would enjoy it as well. You know, it's kind of it's a historical club, Everton, so I'm sure they would like to to see um their team's playing probably the way that they believe they should be and they're just entertaining the fans and the crowd. And obviously we know Everton, the, the best supported club in Liverpool. And I think the fans would enjoy being like a, a team that plays, plays good, like good stuff and tries to encourage fans to, to join the club. So yeah, um, 
yeah, that, that's just my opinion on it. I think uh, Graham Potter would, would make sense for me. And like you mentioned, Jack, it would be good. I think he could grow with the club as well. H- himself and his players could develop at the same time. And, and yeah, hopefully kind of break into the European spots, Europa League, maybe the Champions League if other teams have a down season. So I think that, that, that's a, that would be a smart appointment in, in my opinion. Uh, Aiden, what do you think about uh, Everton? Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Everton right now. Um, just because of the fact that as long as Ancelotti is your manager, I don't know, maybe Jack can touch on this after I say it, but as long as Ancelotti is the manager, I feel like he's almost like better than your expectations. Like when you got him, when he signed for the club, it was probably like, wow, you're, you're excited. You didn't think this would happen. And as long as he's the manager, you feel like you'll probably move in the right direction. And when he's gone, now that he's gone, there's a bit of uncertainty. So hopefully you don't take any step backwards from where you are because I feel like that would be a little bit disastrous. So I'd be a little bit nervous if I was a fan right now, to be honest. But um, in another sense, I think that Everton really need to just take their time appointing the next manager and find a project for them because there's not really going to be any instant success anyways. Maybe it's a one season, you get lucky, David Moyes with West Ham, you go up to sixth place, fifth place, fourth place, whatever. But I think you really need to sustain a project over four to five seasons with one manager and build towards something. And I don't know who that is right now or what the candidates are, but I really think this selection of the manager is very critical for the club moving forward. And they really need to get this one right with a lot of uh, other clubs around them kind of trending upwards or other clubs that are quote unquote right now, maybe not historically, but right now bigger than them more more uh, established than them kind of falling down to their level. So I think this appointment's really key. Uh, Jack, do you have any news on who do you think will be appointed or kind of, I know you were saying Graham Potter, but is there any other names that you're looking at or you're hoping for? Yeah. So like, so I'll just touch on what you guys said. It's, it's one of those things where you you touched on it, Aiden, and saying like, they're not going to be competitive in the short term anyway. And I think that hiring a coach like Anshali, like even at, even at the time, I, I remember I was happy that it happened but even then it was very much the type of thing like questioning, is he going to really work with the director of football? How long is he going to stick around for um, all, all of those sorts of thing. And when it comes right down to the current state of the club at, right now, it doesn't really matter who the manager is. There's definitely in terms of a club identity, there's that de- you could call it an identity crisis. Cause for the last like, four, five, six years, if you watched Everton, you would not know what to expect. They could do anything. You would not be surprised. Uh, in most cases, just be bored out of your, out of your mind because it's so slow and, and really bad for the neutrals to watch, and which is, which is never good. But um, And Jake, like you said, there's no right way to play, um, no right way to play the game. And I agree with that for sure. And I don't mind like the defensive setup and all the all of that sort of stuff if you're getting the results but like we we finished we finished 10th and there are multiple occasions where Ancelotti got the tactics completely wrong um and also I read recently I don't know Jake you saw it in the athletic or basically it came out that part of like the analysis for for Everton came from um Ancelotti's son David Ancelotti and they were doing the analysis and basically David was the one running the analysis and Carlos input was literally like the quote, the quotes I think said, just go play, which that's fine when you're at Real Madrid with Ronaldo and Benzema and Cruz and Modric. But when you have Andre Gomez and Tom Davis and these lower level players, Michael Keane, you, you can't just tell them to go and play. You need to absolutely instruct them on exactly. You need to hold their hand and tell them what to do, um, whether you agree with that or not, but they're just not at the same level, which is why it's, it's important that Everton, like more importantly than anything, even more important than selecting the manager, just deciding for the future of the club, theoretically, 
decide on what they want to be in terms of a style. It makes things so much easier. If you just say, yes, we want to be exciting. We want to press. We want to do all of these things. And we always, that's what we want to be from now on. Then it makes recruiting and manager way easier. But right now, no, even because nobody knows what we're supposed to be trying to do here. But um, in terms of finding the next manager, Aiden, I personally and I know a lot of Everton, some Everton fans will agree with this, and a lot of them will be probably pretty annoyed if, if they heard me say this. But personally, if you're looking for the long-term success of the club, I would like we finished 10th last season. I would not mind finishing like literally 15, 16, 17th, if it meant that we could set up the foundations where it's quite obvious we can build from that point and we're actually putting stuff in place where we can build otherwise we're just taking shortcuts with random managers and the board and the the ownership are just hoping something happens there's not really any plan but in terms of the next manager most important thing is that they'd have to have a very clear identity of what they want to do and just for the sake just personal preference i hope that it would be attacking football um like nice free-flowing stuff just my preference not that i really care but <laughs> like i have a right to uh right to care but preference would be attacking uh attacking and exciting stuff even if you do concede um uh, but even more so it needs to be a, a pure coach somebody who coaches their training ground coach they don't need to get involved in the transfers the one thing that i am happy from what i've seen so far is that it looks like Marcel Brands, the director of football, is finally, he is finally having the say and taking over the whole situation in terms of appointing the manager because Ancelotti, originally I thought Ancelotti was his choice, but it turns out it wasn't from like reading and, and seeing different things. He will choose the manager to work with and leave the manager to just coaching the team, just coach them, coach them, coach them. And then brands will be the one to get everything organized, make the signings, that sort of thing. And hopefully, hopefully we could grow from, from that point moving forward. Uh, my, my top candidates, I think they're, I know like Nuno, the Spirito Santos, the, the favorite right now. I like, he's not, he's a good manager. I would just find it slightly uninspiring personally. My, my top picks, I don't think they'll go for these people, but, my third top pick would be Ten Hog from Ajax, basically because he's got the got the tiki taka style, lots of possession, lots of chances created. Plus, he is Dutch, and I think that he would respect and value the relationship working with like a director of football and Marcel Brands, who came from PSV. So you've got the Dutch connection. I think that they'd be on the that they'd be on the uh, the same page in terms of signings, that sort of thing. And then for future of the club, at least have some sort of identity. Number two, Graham Potter, like you said, Jake, I think a lot of people kind of like they look at Graham Potter and they dismiss him because he seems kind of boring. I don't care if he's boring. I just want him to manage. If you actually watch Brighton play, they're very exciting to play. And if they had a striker like Dominic, literally exactly like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, they would have scored so many goals last season. So uh, and again, very, very clear philosophy in terms of what he wants to do with the style and then recruiting post Grand Potter. Hopefully the club would grow with him, but got the clear style. Number one choice. There's no way they're going for this, but it would be Marcelo Gallardo from River Plate. He's won the Copa Libertadores in, in the, the Argentinian league. And like he's won so many things in for, for River Plate in South America. And I just think that if the club were to take a, take a risk, it is a risk, but if they're take a risk and think outside the box and bring him in, you know, let him bring his Spanish translator kind of like Bielsa has done and just, and just let him coach. If anybody listening, just look up like Gallardo's river plate. You can see they're so well drilled. Does it really work with this set of players? Not really, but if you, if that's what you want to do, if that's the style you want to play and, and build with the coach, then it just takes time, but make sure you that at least you implement that style, even if personally at this point we're finishing 10th, like I said. So I don't really care if we take a step backwards because we're nowhere near success uh, at this point in time. But yeah, disappointing that Ancelotti's gone. Uh, hopefully the club makes the right decision moving forward.
Yes, Jack, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the Everton manager. Personally, I just think that they need a bit of stability. I don't know if Nuno necessarily would be the man for a, for a long-term project and it wouldn't be the football that you like to see, but I think they need someone. So if, if Potter's willing to be there for five years or something like that, that would be a great shout. But moving on, I think we're going to talk about the Euros now. So obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold had to be left out of the England squad due to injury. And over the course of the last few days, Ben White has been confirmed as a call-up. Jacob, we'll come to you first. What do you think about Ben White being the call-up to the England squad and Trent Alexander-Arnold missing it on the Euros? Yeah, I think the whole thing's interesting, to be honest. Just the whole... um... The whole situation surrounding Trent it was kind of a circus. You saw like the day before news were breaking. Um, well, yeah, people that I guess didn't really know, but clearly they were, they were releasing like headlines that Trent was going to be left out. And then, um, you know, Southgate after he named his his twenty six man squad, he came out and he said he assured Trent uh, three weeks previously that he was going to be in the final squad. So <clears throat> clearly, I guess whoever um, whoever started the rumor um, wasn't wasn't in the know. Uh, and yeah, it was just, of course, it had to be Trent that got injured just to kind of bring the whole circus again. I guess the, the good thing from England's point of view is that they had four right backs with them, so they should be be okay in that position. But yeah, I'm very surprised that Ben White was the call-up. Um, as we've mentioned a couple times, uh, well, actually pretty much every time we've spoken about the Euros like in, in private or whatever, we've always mentioned that we don't think England's midfield is not necessarily up to scratch, but they just don't really have that many bodies. Like, Calvin Phillips is still a little bit injured from what I've read, and Jordan Henderson only came back and made his first appearance since February uh, yesterday in the win over Romania. So that's two of their four uh, central midfielders that are <clears throat> carrying knocks or carrying injuries. So I'm very surprised that, that Ward-Prowse didn't get called up. Obviously, I, I saw highlights from the game against Romania as well, and his set-piece delivery was, you know, classic James Ward-Prowse. It was dangerous and, you know... Um, efficient and accurate and everything else that, that you could say about it so it they could create some really good chances obviously everyone knows tournament football you know set pieces are always important so i'm surprised from that point of view as well um and yeah ben white like he has played midfield for brighton in, in parts this season so i guess that's part of it like again another we, we could tell that southgate likes his his versatile players who could play in more than one position so i'm sure that's definitely part of it but there's also better options in my opinion um I would have brought in, like, obviously I would have brought in Ward Prowse, but I think it's it's curious just to bring in another defender. I think, like, almost half the squad is defenders and, yeah, defenders and goalkeepers. So that's kind of, that's very surprising. Um, and, yeah, it, I don't know why another center back is a priority. Like, if, if you're not convinced with the options that you have, like Mings and Cody, like, why bring them in the first place if if you're just going to call up another center back in, in case of an injury? I don't really get that. Um, obviously, like, I don't know his train of thought. Um but I, I just would have brought in like an out and out central midfielder. Like even if, let's say in the last last game of the group stage, England have six points and you want to rotate, then Ward Prowse just gives you an option to rotate and, and not having to play the same players and risking them with injury. Because obviously we know the way the the Euros and the World Cups are that the, the games are not they don't play like once a week. You know they play like every three four days and it's a new game and every three four days is another new game. So I think the risk of injury is kind of is. Well, relatively higher than a league season for some of these players, especially like Ward Prowse or whatever, who doesn't play like every week for Sal. Or sorry, he who doesn't play like every every two three days for Southampton because they don't you know play Champions League or Europa League or whatever. Um, <clears throat> just players like that. But yeah, sorry, I've been dragging this on. I just kind of get get lost in my thoughts. But I'm very surprised it was it was Ben White that that got called up and kind of surprising for me that another defender. There's no way that that. Even half of these defenders are going to be playing like significant minutes, so I don't really see the point of it. I guess tournament experience, but I don't know if this is really the right time for that. But anyway, uh, I'll get on to you guys, Aiden. I'll, I'll go on to you first. What do you think about the um, about the call up? Yeah, like you, I was very surprised that it wasn't James Ward Prowse. I just think that he gives a bit of balance to that midfield that no one else can really offer. You mentioned the the injuries and then Rice also coming off of an injury recently might not be at his top form. So that's even another reason uh, to give joint James Ward press a shout. But um, something else that I saw that, that could uh, lend a little credence to what Southgate is thinking is perhaps he, 
he sees that Harry Maguire is nowhere near it. He's not going to be fit for the Euros, so now he needs to bring another def- another center back along with him. I'm not sure how much weight that holds uh, as as things move forward and we see the the first lineups for England, but it is an interesting idea. Maguire isn't fit, and now the back three has become even more of a necessity for England without him, uh, which it might have been anyways with him, but without him, it could be even more of a necessity. So I am surprised it's Ben White, but he is a player with a lot of potential, I think we can all agree on. So uh, if he does have a good Euros, uh, look for his stock to rise quite a bit, and he'll push on and have a great season. So congratulations to him, but I think it should have been James Ward-Prowse. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I agree. If they were going to take the extra option instead of Trent, I think that they are covered for defenders, especially right backs, although they do have a ton of really good ones. I think that Ben White is like, he's a good, he is a good defender. He's comfortable on the ball. Like you said, he plays in the back three, can play in midfield, although I think it would be mostly just the fact that he's comfortable playing in the back three and can actually break through the lines with his passing would be more comfortable uh, on the ball than, than somebody like Ben Godfrey, but Godfrey was obviously just uh, kind of shoehorned in at right back in the, in the last game. But um, I think that like overall, my, my personal opinion, I think I've said it on here already. I'm surprised that Fakayo Tomori hasn't made this squad at all. Cause I think he's probably one of the best defenders that England have and had a really good season with AC Milan, but um, in, in terms of squad balance, not, not even balance for the midfield. If you have James Ward-Prowse just a part, as part of your squad, specific, I know it's very specific situations, but Jack Realish draws so many fouls every single game. And if you're playing against a team that just sits really, really deep and you can keep getting and have prowse on these set pieces it's literally so good that i think it's just a huge asset and i think it's just a bit of a cautious decision from southgate but kind of like you said aiden maybe it, it just indicates that mcguire isn't fully fit and they just want that extra cover at the back but yeah overall i think they could have used an extra body in midfield but ben white yeah he's a he's a good player and i'm sure he's going to be part of the squad and like in the future and from this point moving forward so it'll be good experience for him but yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it's a good one. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to quickly add before we wrap up here today? I have nothing else to add. Just as I mentioned earlier on, just very excited for the Euros. Um, but yeah, Aiden, do you have anything else? No, nothing else. Just I get a little bit not worried, but I just can't see how England's going to do that well with Southgate just after every single decision, but nothing else of importance, just a kind of concern for England as the Euros draws closer. But as we always say, we'll see how it goes. What about you, Jack? Yeah, for sure. And we'll be back either Thursday or Friday. We'll have the episode released of the Euro preview show and how we think things are going to turn out at the Euros this year. So, uh, so if you Look out for that. It'll be Thursday or Friday. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at OTL Soccer Pod. And just want to say thank you for listening. We'll be back Thursday or Friday. Thank you. Bye.